All right. So tell me why we should use YNAB, which is a personal budgeting tool um, for our business budgeting. Right. So YNAB, YNAB is a personal budgeting tool, but the founder, Jesse, mm-hmm. uses it for his company. So what YNAB is, is essentially, it's just cash-based accounting. So True. Uh, right. I mean, it's the on, it's kind of the envelope system, which is mm-hmm. basically cash-based accounting. So you don't record money until it's there. Um, and then uh, the other advantage of YNAB and the way it works for me personally and in my business, which I also use it for my business, is that it forces you to budget categories. So like, uh, and and over time, you expose your actual expenses, right? So there'll be things... So in a business, what I think matters the most for us is cash flow. Like far and away, the thing that we're going to care about the most is cash flow. So we run into a time where all of a sudden we get like a dip in cash. If we know what our true expenses are, we can extrapolate that over several months and we actually know like how good are like how how good are we? How much do we need to worry? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way that you eventually uncover those expenses and like what your actual monthly outlay is, is by um, every time an expense comes up, like, Oh, I got to buy a laptop. You create a category for that thing. And then you create a monthly allocation that you have to put into that category every single month. So like, so you're buying it ahead of time. Yeah. So you're basically what it reveals to you is what you actually need to have every month versus what you put out every month. Cause what you put out every month, what you pay out every month, like an actual dollars to people is potentially way less you know, on one month, then another month. Mm-hmm. And it looks like these big swings, right? You're like, oh, I didn't have anything. And then all of a sudden I'd had to pay, you know, $8,000 for taxes or, mm-hmm. you know, and that everybody knows like business people. Well, uh, if you've had, if you've been in business for more than a year or two, you know that you need to set aside money <laughs> for taxes. And I think everybody screws that up probably the first time, but then taxes aren't the only thing. There's other stuff too. There's insurance payments that have to come up. There's uh, and this is... a lawyer. Sometimes your accountant every year, you're, you got to refresh your equipment. You got to budget for going to conferences. You got to budget for education. You got to budget for your monthly SAS outlay budget for those annual SAS things that you pay. So you can have a discount. Yeah, that's true. So the nice thing about that is then, you know, the annual thing, it's, I think sometimes it, when you're, you know, kind of like broke, you're reluctant to do the annual things. You're like, oh, it's going to come up again. Well, I have the money, you know, to keep doing that. Well, this mm-hmm. way you pay it and then you just set a category and say every month, this is the amount that I got to put in there and you're just paying a monthly bill. And then when it comes up at, at the end of the year, you just pay it and then just every month. So it's not, there's never a big expense that catches you off guard. And the other advantage that I've never used in the business, but that I do in my personal life is that you and I will have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So like it provides like a common, uh, like it, it's, it stores our financial information in an easily understandable way so that you and I can be like, you know, we've had these conversations, like, should we budget for Barry to do mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Well, we could have had that in YNAB and then move dollars from one category to the other. Once you have everything spent in your categories, like it's not actually spent, it's just allocated, but once right. it's basically spent, you know, you're going to spend it. Then it's a lot easier to feel confident about making a budgeting decision for something like, should we just pay Barry to do the five hours of work for this mm-hmm. thing? Um, 
and and then we can actually like look and if it's like oh well we don't just we can't just cash flow it this month so we're gonna have to pull from a budget then we have to have a conversation of which budget we pull which in from. budget yeah all right so that so i am super on board with all of that and it's just way easier to do it in ynab than something like quickbooks just because quickbooks sucks so hard yeah ynab is just designed for that exact workflow yeah. And I've tried other things, you know, in the past. I used Mint for a long time. Those yeah. things are more like after the fact analyzing data that already happened. Mm-hmm. YNAB is ma- making you spend the money now when it comes in. So you put it into the categories. Um, okay. And then, uh, yeah, let's and try then it. Money comes out of it. And then also, oh, for taxes at the end of the year, it's great because you're, you're basically your own bookkeeper. Right. Um, and that's yeah, what I was going to do in, in QuickBooks was do the actual bookkeeping. But if we can accomplish both of those things in YNAB, let's just do it in YNAB. I mean, we've got, what, two monthly expenses right now? Transistor, yeah. Google Suite. So Yeah, we don't even need to start using it now. But like when when we do, let's, you know, as yeah. soon as we start having more conversations, let's, let's do that. I mean, we already now we need to make sure we set aside money for taxes. Probably we should get our accountant whoever that's going to be telling us what we need to pay for quarterlies and stuff like that. So we should have yeah, that that's true. budgeted out. Um, speaking of, I filed, you know, we, we had no activity last year. We had an entity, but no activity. Um, right. March 15th came, I filed the free extension and everything. So we're, we're fine. We just need to file the actual paper form that says we had no activity last year. So I don't know if you want your accountant to do that or mine or what you want. But we're good. Yeah, let's, let's we have ha- yours we, do it. Okay. And then have the conversation about whether we want to hire mine or yours to do our accounting for next year. I mean, I don't uh, I don't I don't care. Aaron's awesome, my guy. Uh, I was gonna say I don't thank, know how thank you very much. I am awesome. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's very confusing. I have too many Aaron's. My brother's name is Aaron too. <laughs> I didn't so know. all the time when I have to when I'm talking to Beth, I'm like, oh Aaron did this thing today, and she'll be like which one <laughs> hopefully it wasn't me <laughs> i bet it was me though um okay well i'll have i'll have mine finish the 2020 in just filing a, a blank return um and then we can price compare if you want i i think i think, I, I think like let's just go with yours okay yeah mine mine is fine um but i would prefer to just go with yours Especially since you have to file the foreign because it's a Texas LLC and you're a Chicago or Illinois resident, you have to file an, an extra form. So let's just let him handle that whole thing. Okay. Yeah. And he already was aware of like uh, Texas rules and all that stuff. And he said he could, he could do it if we wanted to. Okay, cool. Great. Well, I will make sure that we get the um, 2021 filed. I think we have until you know September, but I'll work on it this week. Okay. Yeah. So I, although I will say, I doubt that's going to be cheap. We should, we should talk costs. Like, so he does cost me like 2000 bucks a year to do that. He does all my, he does payroll and he does mm-hmm. the taxes. Um, but I have been happy to pay him that every single year. Cause I've had no issues with him. So my guy costs seven fifty for a ten sixty five, which is a mm-hmm. partnership. So, it's also not cheap. I mean, he'll file, 
I had him file. Oh, he's been filing my my individual income taxes, like our family income taxes too. So he does the, all of my taxes for two. For like right. So I don't know what the incremental cost would be right. for another entity, but it's probably similar to your guys. Yeah, it sounds it, like it's yeah. not like mine is bargain basement. So okay, let's just go with Aaron. You're Aaron. Okay, Aaron J Domash at AOL.com. Ooh. That's a sign of a really Ooh. good account, I think. That, uh, that's true. That is, yeah. It's an industry-specific sign. I was going to say, I maybe changed my mind, but no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> He's very old school and has the best Chicago accent. He's great. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Love it. Uh, so we just had the, um, almost said the client's name. We, we just had the client call and our portion was like maybe a minute, maybe a minute and a half. Yeah. We just didn't have anything this week. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. You finish. finish I was going to say, and everyone else's, they just, each person probably talked for 10 or 15 minutes, (laughs) which, you know, may or may not be necessary. Not only did they talk for 10 or 15 minutes, they're accomplishing these major feats of technology. And I was like, that's one reason why I decided to not share my little UI mm. progress this week. Cause I was like the juxtaposition of this compared to these other things I just saw happening. Uh, yeah. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. I can't do it. Like, look, I added the ability to add custom prefixes to your query. Mm-hmm. Cool. I mean, it's cool. It's it nice. is cool. I also added groupings to the select dropdown and it was all really easy. That was the thing that's cool. It was super easy yes. for me to just drop it in. It took, took a couple hours and that was it. And then a couple hours were not related to like getting it into the front and it was getting, you know, the, the prefix box to jam up against select two and like all the custom theming stuff yeah. in bullet train and all that crap. So, so you, you kind of got to use refine as an application developer would instead of like a, like a hammerstone developer, at least on the back end, you were like, I want to add a category. So I'm just going to add some meta here. So you found that to be yeah, straightforward. I did though. I will say, I don't really understand. So the thing about the meta, I know in theory, it's supposed to be like, we can throw this in there and then the, the client is going to be able to do whatever they want with it. Mm-hmm. That's true when we allow them to specify their own components, right? Which mm-hmm. we do with view. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can with clauses, for example. Mm-hmm. But um, like this part was for in the Rails app, sorry. In the Rails app, we can with clauses. In the view app, we can you can specify, um, uh, I forget actually what levels we've decided to allow them to specify components. But so I guess that would be the thing like you would have to, in order to do the thing I did, mm-hmm. you decided, ah, I would like to have this drop down with meta. Then you would have to create your own custom component, hopefully pull in the pieces that we have already made for you, uh, add the meta to your condition and on the back end, and then do the thing you want with the meta and then specify to load your component instead of like our default component. And mm-hmm. then it would load and everything would work. Mm-hmm. So all that's beauteous on the, uh, on the view side and in Railsland with the hotwire implementation, I don't know. I just, it's like hard coded basically. Like there's no. Yeah. And that's how it is at, at resolute where I work um, is we, you know, we own the front end and it's just like, right. it's just our deal. And that's kind of the same. That's kind of the same thing um, for the client. Um, they just have the front end. And so, mm-hmm. 
you know, right. you, so you're, told- you're actually doing it, but it really is just like an application specific thing. And so they can just throw meta in and then know what they're expecting on the front end. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, that's what it would feel like if I was doing it by creating my own custom component and then specifying that I would just add the meta, specify my component in the condition and then my component would load and the, I could do the thing that I wanted to do. That'll be really nice. Like that's frankly a pretty good, is a pretty good experience. The yeah. categories thing, like, like it's basically meta. Let me shoehorn categories in there, mm-hmm. but it's kind of fugly, right? Because I have to put a category in every single condition. So mm-hmm. like if I want them to be in the, uh, email broadcasts category or whatever. Right. I have to put email broadcasts on every on single one. one that wants to have that category. And then I had to do some jump through some hoops, right? Like on the, the rendering side too. Cause pull it out little, to a higher level. Yeah. It's yeah. a little weird. Cause like I need to like pull it up and then only these things go under here. And then what about the uncategorized ones? So I had to like, you know, I had to do computer programming <laughs> and uh, figure that out. As you PHP guys would say, I'd write a a loop, do some programming. Um, Yeah, that's interesting because you're right. You're you're putting a like a first level item deeper into like the second level. Um, Yeah, Yeah, it's like getting spread out, Mm -hmm. uh, which which is it's basically like, hey, look, I can like make this happen with meta. That feels like it should probably be a first class thing. so I decided to just make it happen with meta and I, actually I should add to our Trello board. Like I really think that should be a first class part of conditions. Yeah. Um, seems so, what, so obvious that people are going to want that. What we're talking about here is like in um, select like drop downs, you can have the, <clears throat> excuse me, you can have the opt groups, which is like a proper HTML tag. Um, and that, specifies when you have a dropdown that has a ton of things in it, you can kind of categorize them and um, like say these five options belong to email broadcasts and these five options belong to user attributes. And it kind of breaks it up in the UI for you. So yeah, I feel like enough people are going to want that, that we should probably bake it in. Yeah, I agree. And what I did was I just added it to our Trello board under, I created a new column called like future features and we'll mm-hmm. just, I can live there. We, we do not need to do that anytime soon because it works. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and then it'll just be like a nice thing that we can, we can drop in like, Hey, instead of having to create, you know, a category on every single condition for your filter, you can, um, you know, refactor it to do it this way. And it looks mm-hmm. a lot cleaner. So that'll be, that'll be good. Hmm, I mean, okay. it's yeah. going to be, you know, I say that, but like, I may want it sooner because it's going to be me doing it for these guys. Right. <laughs> totally. That's, uh, we'll see how many categories I have to do. Not all of their things will necessarily require that. Uh, some of them are more complicated than others. Well, here's an interesting question. You're going to have to write it like you're going to have to write it all at some point, right? You're either going to put it on the option and say the category is this, or you're going to write a category and say the options are this. So like you know, one way or another, you're kind of having well, to do it. The, all right. So conditions. So I'm like, I'm grouping conditions and I guess we could also do it with grouping clauses, but, mm-hmm. um, but that feels like, you know, it would be like in a block. So like I would say, Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. I would say like a uh, condition, like condition category do. And then, I mean, I don't know how we could do it in like a function call too. like, it doesn't have to be this block thing, sure, but like sure, essentially sure. it's wrapping, the calls to create conditions and then it would just 
automatically like put them in that category or just add that category to meta or give me a category in the filter like break conditions into because right now i just get conditions as like a, an array mm-hmm. could be an object by could category object by category instead right um hmm, i'm okay. making that i'm making that myself backwards from mm-hmm. like the the meta essentially yeah you're plucking the categories out and making it into an object yeah exactly okay, okay. interesting yeah i'll think about that that's a good idea yeah so i'll throw that on there we can we can uh, sit on that. Don't have to okay. do it right away. Okay, cool. But yeah, that project's going great. I am just frustrated that we didn't have a better update for this week. It just, it just is what it is. You know, I don't, Yeah. I, I don't love these like show off meetings. I don't think, you know, once, once we have like 30 employees or so, I don't think we'll, uh, we'll do this style. When, when we have 30 meeting. employees. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, what is or like 30 employees for our side project at the right <laughs> what's the what's the drawback in your in your eyes well because it kind of pushes you to be like okay what's this thing i'm what's the thing i'm going to show off this week to like yeah. always be like producing a thing which that's not the right i don't love that model like i don't love that way of thinking for while i'm while I'm coding. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really important. We got to, we got to ship, you got to ship stuff that actually works, but like having like a pressure of like, I need to do something. So what it does for me is each week I'm like, Oh, I should do a few things that are showy. Yeah. So that way I can mm-hmm. like have a thing to, to demo, but really there's like other important things. So like, like, you know, Colleen, I, I was extremely tempted to push Colleen to do something different. So that way we could have something to show off yeah. to peel her off from working on refinements and have her like put error, do error validations in line mm-hmm. or, you know, like, uh, like basically accumulate errors and then send it back to me so I could put them in line and we could have yeah. that showing. Um, but that I decided, even though I really wanted to have a thing to show this week, that it would be a mistake that we should actually just focus on refinements, mm-hmm. even though we would have nothing to show. And I would just have to deal with the pain and, you know, wake up feeling anxious this morning. Like, <laughs> sucked. Yeah. yeah. But I don't like that because it, it really did push me to feel like I need to do something showy. And I think I used self-discipline and made the right decision. But like that, that's a mistake, I think. Uh, to make employees like have to have to deal with that depends on your culture. Like maybe there's maybe their culture is compatible with that and mm-hmm. fine with it. Um, yeah, and it could be an accident. Somebody could have shown early on and been like, "Hey, this is what I'm working on," and now it's like, "Okay, I guess this is what I'm working on." And now it's just now it's the standard as we we screen share every time. Yeah, like it's really important to show your work to the group so that people know what's going on. Like for example, now we know what that team is doing for the backend stuff, which we right, talked about which is before the super call. Important. Super important to us. And we really needed to know that. So you need that. But then like, is that the way to do it is to like make teams do demos every two weeks? Like that's, uh, I don't know. I, I There's definitely pluses to it for sure. Cause then like people need to like, feel this urge to like continuously which they need to right yeah that's the other thing is we'll never do it this way i don't personally need that external like push to get shit done you know but and in fact it kind of makes me not want to do you know what i mean it's like opposite effect on me um but but you know whatever i'm old now so i've 
I've uh, matured enough to deal with that shit, but I, I like, you know, <laughs> that's a lot to ask of people. Yeah. And we'll never build an application like this and we'll never build an application this way. And so, you know, for us, it doesn't really matter except that we're building it for them and we have to do it. <laughs> yeah. I will say though, I mean, I'm, I was very skeptical at the beginning of this project, but they have a really good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's fascinating to see it coming together and uh, everybody has such a good attitude and it seems, uh, you know, like this could be easily something, you know, that could, I I suspect they're going to pull it off now. I like, think they might. They're, they're moving quick. Yeah. Yeah. They hired a lot of the right people. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know how many are internal and how many are, um, consultants mm-hmm. um but i think they got a really good mix they pulled in the right people from their internal team and hired the right consultants and like make it some good it seems i'm just i'm really impressed because it's such a huge project and they're they're cruising they yeah. have some really amazing engineers i mean that meeting today i was like why am i even doing this job these these guys should just do it they're all way better than me that's what <laughs> yeah now, now you know how i feel yeah and it's like the project owner slash like found you know cto founder of the company is in the code every day pushing stuff forward and it's pretty pretty impressive like he's opening prs all the time it's pretty cool also andrew is driving so much of it which is amazing (laughs) yeah he's huge he was at the big old meeting with all the important people that they just did were you at that one no okay no thank god yeah. <laughs> Did I ever tell you I got pulled into like a meeting, a board meeting for a Fortune 500 company when I was like in my early 20s? Oh gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's happened to me twice now, but one one was an accident and this one one was on purpose. The uh the on purpose one was I was a consultant at Accenture. I mean, I had put a ton of work into a project that made it very successful for this company. And, uh, my bosses, I started at the beginning of the project. So all of my bosses then were just senior partners at Accenture just randomly. So all of a sudden, like I was doing all this work for these senior partners. And so they all really liked me a lot. And this is the the infamous $500,000 spreadsheet that, I, that was, <laughs> they sold the, that they sold the Comcast. Right. So I was doing that oh thing for them. So they, they loved that. And then, and then for the next project, you know, they're like pitching their next project to the, to the board basically. And, uh, they pulled me into that meeting, which was hilarious. I didn't, I I said only a few things and then mostly I was there to like wear a suit and look like a consultant. Mm -hmm. That's what they told me. And to like, uh, that, you know, apparently some of them knew of me. I, I accidentally met the CIO at a urinal. That was, uh, Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't, I didn't like that experience. Very no. Much. Well, neither the, the urinal or the board meeting. That was. <laughs> no, no, especially not at 20 something. <laughs> no, it was way too much. <laughs> yeah. I was one time on a call with the CEO of Veronis and he asked me a specific question and I was like, Nope, don't like this at all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just one time and fortunately that was all you like slowly warm up to that kind of stuff you know like 
like the meeting that we just did today, like normally I, I a long t- a, a while ago, I would have been terrified by that meeting. Yeah. Um, especially having to be like, we don't have anything to show this week. Um, but you know, like I said, I still had a little anxiety when I woke up this morning, but you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like crushing or anything. I kind of got over it. Like after I woke up a bit, but you get used to it, I guess. I guess you get used to anything. Yep. Um, I talked to Colleen just before and she's almost got um, relationships totally done. So once she gets. Wait, I so, thought those were. Yeah, done. yeah. Done. So they're done. I told everybody at the meeting they were done. <laughs> they are done. Um, the thing that she's doing now is like the optimization. So if you you know, you query two different things on the same relationship. We'll put them together into the same subquery instead of running two separate subqueries. Wait, okay. Give me an example of a relationship query. And you're querying. Yeah. If you're querying users and you say users is like the main model and you say, I want users where the manager's name is Sean. Yeah. Manager's relationship. So you'd say users where the manager's name is Sean. And then on a separate line, users that live in Chicago or users where the manager lives in Chicago. So you're hitting the manager relationship twice, once to see if the name is Sean and once to see if they live in Chicago. Right. So instead of doing two separate subqueries, which is fine, but expensive, we can collapse those and put them into the same subquery because they're inspecting the same relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep, makes sense. And so that's what she's doing right now. And that's what opens the door for refinements. So, you know, what's interesting to me, I barely, now I'm like, wait a minute. I thought refinements were going to be like queries like um, <laughs> user has events, which is already just a relationship. So mm-hmm. users have events that happened four days ago. Mm-hmm. Isn't that just a relationship query? Yeah, it is. So... The optimization that allows two different um, relationship queries to be collapsed into one is also the function by which we apply refinements. So the work that she's doing to optimize those relationships is integral to being able to have refinements whatsoever. So they happen to both rely on the same thing, but they're, they're separate if that makes sense. Okay. So like what, so like the thing I just said, so like Mm -hmm. um, users who had this, you know, purchase event Mm -hmm. in the last four days, that's just a relationship. Uh We could do that now. Apparently we could do. um, Yeah. User that purchased something in the last four days. Yeah. We could do that now. Okay. What's a thing that we, that refinements will let us do. Then refinements will the let us do um, refinements will let us say users that purchased a hat three times in the past year. Oh, yeah, <laughs> seriously. What would indeed all, all, all on the same line. Okay. Yeah. 
Because so if you didn't, because you could do it with just so users who purchased hats, mm-hmm. um, and then, and you could do users who purchased hats in the last year, and then you could do another line who users who purchased three hats. Mm-hmm. But then your then your your query right. is totally different. So you could say query, like, yeah. show me users that purchased a hat. Show me a show me users. Um, that made three purchases and show me users that purchased something in the last year. Like you could, you could approximate it, but you couldn't do it. Like you couldn't do show me users that purchased three hats in the last year or purchased a hat three times. Right. That's mind bendy to wrap my head around like the query for, cause it would be, uh, yeah. Okay. I need, I need to get purchases user purchases that happened in the last three years. So like that exists. Mm -hmm. And then, so that would be like a subquery of like on purchase events that happened in the last three years. And then those, those would have to also be, Oh, and I also have to do a query on that to say that those purchases were hats. Bingo. Yep. So I have to apply two things to the subquery. Okay. And and then you have to group it. Like a purchase event that happened uh, within the last four days, users that a purchase event that happened in the last four days, that is only one one row thing. Yep. Right? Easy peasy. Yeah. So if you want to continue to add more basically where clauses to this thing. Kind of. So refinements get gnarly because not only are they inspecting the table itself, so you're like saying you know, select, let's just say star, select star from purchases where item equals hat or whatever, right? That gets you hats. Then you want to say, and, you know, created at is in the past three years. So now you have two kind of two bindings in that query. Right. But then to be efficient and to be able to look across all users that have done that, you have to group it and then add a having. So you say select select user ID from purchases where you know item equals hat and created at is in the last three years, group by user ID having count greater than three. Right. And so you have to be able to build all of that and then run that as a subquery. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's insane. And this was so, this was when I told you months ago that I was watching a women's soccer game and was like, "Oh, dude, I got it. That's what I got." And it works. It works great. So, so then now if that has to happen in Elasticsearch, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, does Elasticsearch do subqueries? And then, yeah, do, is it even possible for us to write our code such that... I'll tell you what Elasticsearch doesn't do is sit inside of a MySQL query. Like, you can't do a MySQL query with an Elasticsearch subquery. Can't do that. So right. it's either all, all in Elastic or it's all in MySQL or you're combining the two in memory, which is a bad idea. Like you're you're yeah. pull, you're pulling results back into the application and then rerunning a separate query, which is not what you want to do. Well, yeah, I mean that that might be what they 
Well, that's what that meant. That's going to be like the limitation. Right. And that's the discussion we'll need to have with them is what's your data and where does it live? And are you aware of these limitations? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, so how, and also how much of the work that we're doing on the refinements can be ported? Are we just going to redo it again, except in Elasticsearch? Yeah, basically. Basically. Instead of RL nodes or whatever they're called, ARL nodes. Right. We just write it again. They'll be elastic nodes. Yeah. Right. Okay. But that seems, but she's going to, yeah, but she does it once. And then she said she's using, using abstract syntax tree for the blueprint. So then she could take that. And instead of doing ARL, which is apparently how you pronounce that. Okay, I missed it Colleen. twice then. <laughs> Colleen, Colleen taught me that. I've been saying RL forever. So. I've been saying RL too. But if you take, instead of pumping out ARL nodes, she could do whatever the Elasticsearch thing is. Hopefully they give us something like that as well, or whatever they choose to use. If it looks like It's looking like Elasticsearch. Yeah, okay. and if, if Elastic really does have a rock-solid SQL to Elastic API, we can just live with the ARL. Is it ARL? ARL. ARL. We can live with the ARL nodes and then feed them into Elastic and let Elastic convert the SQL to Elastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That'd be sweet. That would but be sweet. Who knows we'll if it's see. possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're moving. We're moving right along. I think it's going to work. Yeah. So since we're kind of in like a dead space with features for them, I was thinking actually I might peel off some work on the view thing. Cause I feel Great. like I could go really fast on that at this point. Yeah. Um, like really fast. That would be <laughs> awesome. So many times. Uh, yeah. so I think I might, I'm planning on doing that actually. Oh, I forgot to tell you, somebody DMs me on Twitter about wanting to use the, the Laravel version and wanting to pay to help get it finished out. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> We're not even trying. I know. This is why I'm like, I'm not so worried about this particular product in spite of, you know, how we had the fail with the Safari. Yeah. Or uh, torchlight thing. This one isn't, I don't, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> yeah. He says, um, hi, this is a Twitter DM. Hi, Aaron, loving the look of your query builder. We have a massive DB, which this would could be epic for. Would you like our team to give it a test on something big? And so at this point, I'm thinking he just, you know, he wants it for free, whatever. And I'm like, hey, thanks for reaching out. We would love that. I'll be honest, our timeline is uncertain. We're super focused on Rails right now. Um, we've got a client that's, you know, paying us to build it out. Are you in a rush or sometime the next two months would work? And he said, um, we're all developers are always in a rush. Offering some financial support would be in the cards also, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> what do you have now? Um and then I kind of went from there and told him what we have. And he said, well, let me know if it helps move you forward. So, so it's a, it's a Laravel project. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to give him away, but it's a, it's a Laravel project. Okay, cool. Yeah. Mm, uh, I know. Uh, I, I listen, I don't, I don't think we should like, that's flattering. I don't think we should do it right now. No, I know. I don't. You're right. We have to say no. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. That's, that's okay. To put the explicit. On. <laughs> that's okay. Um, yeah, it's a, like that's exciting and that's great feedback. But there's just we don't have the bandwidth to do that right now. <laughs> uh, pod, I'm smashing my 
head on <laughs> surfaces right now. <laughs> I wish we could move so much faster. I know. Oh, oh, it's painful. It's so painful. All right. Well, that does. I'm going to focus on the view thing because maybe who knows how close, how much I could get done just tomorrow. You know, like well, I've got yeah, like this weekend, like the rest of today. Let's see what I can do. Because I really, there's nothing. I keep like kind of. I keep looking at the hotwire stuff and like, well, I can't, I can't really do, I'm like waiting on Andrew for stuff. I'm waiting on Colleen for mm-hmm. stuff. I gotta, I gotta just do other things. Um, you know, I'm like, I don't know how many, I can't, I'm just like fiddling with UI stuff. Yeah. Once, once you start fiddling, you gotta <laughs> take a walk matter. or do something else. <laughs> like, Ooh, I added prefixes, you know, I mean like it's a thing I was going to need to do, but it was like, pretty low priority i'm like doing these very low priority things which probably you could even live without you know what i mean so i gotta uh yeah all right all right well that that makes me feel like i want to move over to doing the view thing and we'll just reach out to them whenever that gets done and see if they want to give it a shot i think that's i think that's right yeah no that was supposed to be like huzzah we're doing it i didn't mean to put pressure (laughs) on you no no no. it didn't feel like pressure okay it didn't feel like pressure um, it's just like, mm, I really wish we could move faster. I'm, we're only doing what we can do. Yep. So, and we're honestly, we're, we're doing people. great. Yeah. So, so we're, like, <laughs> we're, we're doing fantastic. Uh, yeah. Oh God. I can't wait to launch this though. I still don't think it's going to be like, you know, Epic launch, tons of licenses sold like right away. But like, I do think, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be uh, fun. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially if we, I don't know if we've talked in a while about pricing, but if we sell them for 500 or a thousand dollars a pop, we don't, yeah. we don't need Epic launch. We just need launch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It should be a, th- I think it should be a thousand dollars a month or I mean a year, sorry for like a year of a license. Yeah. Like whatever nine ninety five or whatever that is for a license, and that you know, the, and when we do launch, we're going to need to have like we're going to need to slap some language on there about like a uh, SLA for like a support contract, mm-hmm. so you could buy support too. Um, that we got to do that because we need to be able to set boundaries on people. Like I want to offer support in like a Slack channel. Just yeah, sure. Like we got support in a Slack channel. Come in and we'll try and help you out. But then we got to be able to say like, "Hey, this is like too much," you know, like you got to buy our support contract to, uh, so that way we could set some boundaries around that kind of stuff. Yeah, because I feel like that's going to be a hard balance to strike when people want things, and you're like, "Well, that would that would be good for everyone, but that's just not on our roadmap right now." And I I, I don't know how we're going to navigate those waters. Well. We're not even close to there, but it'd be but interesting I, I to talk about to Andrew it, like, about. Yeah. We've got to have a support contract though. I mean, that's what all these little things do anyway. Right. So that's not, nobody's going to be surprised by that. Yeah. You do, you like, like high charts, you buy a license and then, so that gives you updates for a year and then you buy the support contract if you want like their like quick support or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually I don't know if they offer any support for free. If you just get their knowledge base and that's it, mm-hmm. like our docs are really good. So we could honestly, maybe we go and we say like, you know, you got our docs. Um, 
And you, I don't know. I really, the thing is though, here's the trade off of that approach is that I really like the Slack channel thing because you get feedback mm-hmm. and in early days, that's just like so useful Yeah, to get I agree. like how people are using it. So I feel like, you know, early days, at least we could offer the Slack support. And then as it gets busier, like grandfather that out. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be interesting because especially if big companies want to pay you know, $5,000 for a year long support contract. Like, uh, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. It was, we have to have it as a choice because of that. Like I learned that even with my little info products, what did I do? I added like, a just willy nilly added a $500 team license for my book. So you buy it for, you know, uh, like 20 people or something mm-hmm. in one go. And then, you know, like, it took me about two minutes to add that to the landing page. And I probably made 1500 bucks from just three people, three organizations that just did that. Like the, <laughs> So, you know, the ones you gotta like have the options. Yeah. And if there, if we, if, if we price it right, then it's like, yeah, we could subcontract out support. You know, I don't, we were not going to have calling around forever. I, I don't know. I, I hope we do. <laughs> I know. I mean, even if, even if we keep her around on an hourly basis, I, I hope we keep her. That's why, yeah. I'm, that's why I'm trying to pay her as soon as she invoices us. Cause I'm like, please love us. Please stay with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it'll be tough, but <sighs> Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll cross that bridge when, yep. when we come to it. Yep, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> All right, anything else? Mm-mm. All right, nope. let's call it there then. Nothing else. <laughs>